Welcome. Welcome in to Sports Talk Chicago. All gas, no brakes. If you're looking for the same old sports talk, get out. You've come to the wrong place. Hey, we ain't come this far just to come this far, you hear me? I tell you what I see, I tell you the truth. We going hard today. We're fearless, bold, and highly opinionated. This here show. This show is so hot right now. The biggest guests, the hottest takes, and the best interviews live right here. Do you actually remind me of Dan Patrick? Because you ask great questions, you have the knack, you have the gift. On Sports Talk Chicago. Yo, Chicago. Here's your host. The guy's an absolute stud. John Zagul. Hi, everybody. Welcome into Sports Talk Chicago. Great to see all of you here with us across our great radio and TV affiliates, Illinois and Indiana, 98.3 The Live, WKAN, 105.5 The Ticket, ACTV, JTV, WJOB, and Cities 92.9 Talk FM. So much to get to tonight. So glad you are all here with us. Help us all over at Sports Talk Chicago. You could find us on YouTube, Sports Talk Chicago. Subscribe to the channel. Hit the like button. We are up to 18,800 subscribers on our way to 20,000. Everything that you do will help, certainly. My name is John Zaglul. John Meadows is directing and producing here on today's program. So much to get to, so much bear stuff, even some bull stuff as the NBA trade deadline approaches, and we're left wondering what are the Bulls going to do. I have a couple of suggestions. We'll get to those near the latter part of this program. I do want to start off with this. Go figure. More Justin Fields news. A couple of his former teammates at Ohio State have been vocal about Justin Fields and his future here in Chicago and what the Bears should be doing at the quarterback position. We have quotes. Don't worry. We have things that need to be said. At this point, if you're new to the program and you don't know where I stand on this, I'm pretty ardent in my opinion. I don't think Justin Fields has proven enough to stay here in Chicago. And when you're faced with a decision between the number one overall pick and a potential generational prospect in fields, it makes sense to move on. And in many other situations across the NFL, whether it be in the past or even as of today, teams have been in similar positions and teams have, for the most part, moved on. They've chosen not to stick with a quarterback that maybe their fan base loves, maybe some people inside the building love, but unfortunately has not produced in three years. It's pretty simple. Yet, here in Chicago, for some reason, it is a hotly debated topic when it really shouldn't be if we look at numbers and look at reality. Nevertheless, a couple of Justin Fields' former teammates, and that's the key, by the way, there's bias here, but I'll keep going, said that the Bears should keep Justin Fields. Now, this article is from NBCSportsChicago.com. I want to give the author some credit. It says here in the opening line, Jackson Smith, Ninjigba, and Chris Olave have a clear bias when it comes to the franchise-altering quarterback decision that awaits the Bears this offseason. Good job, whoever wrote that. For once, Chicago media is being somewhat honest and putting bias out there ahead of schedule. Now, if only they did that for the uh, individual writers themselves, it'd be a whole different story. But at least they say here, Yes, there is a clear bias. And of course there is. These two guys were teammates with Fields at Ohio State. These two guys were drafted partially because of their production when Justin Fields was their quarterback and when C.J. Stroud was their quarterback too. In two seasons with Fields, Chris Olave, who is now a wide receiver in New Orleans, had 1,500-plus receiving yards. Smith and Jigba only had 49 yards, but he only played there for one season. Smith and Jigba had bigger years under C.J. Stroud and company. 
Uh, they were being interviewed by NBC Sports Chicago. And Olave and Smith and Jigba have said that if the Bears trade fields this offseason and draft Caleb Williams, they will do so at their own peril. Uh-oh. Here's the quote from Smith and Jigba. That's on them. I mean, that's on them. If they do that, I say good for Justin, honestly. He's a QB1 and NFL quarterback, so if that's what they want to do, I guess that's fine. He went on to say, I think what we have seen is just his competitive nature, just him going out there making unorthodox plays when the pocket collapses. We see him, you know, tunnel vision, makes plays, and just the competitiveness. He's a winner. Oh, okay. To me, when I watch the Chicago Bears, that's what I see him trying to win. That's a better comment. Him trying to win, not actually being a winner. Quote, that's what you expect from Justin. That's what Justin brings to the table. A winning attitude, and I know he could get things done. Okay. Chris Olave ended up saying this, too. Quote, just what he's dealt with, a lot of negativity, a lot of bash. I'm excited. He's one of the most talented players I've played with. I know he's one of the most talented QBs in the NFL, so I'm excited for what they build around him. (laughs) As if the Bears are going to keep him. Come on. You know, know, i got to say something here, and I know a lot of you... Uh, listening or watching this, probably agree with me. Why do so many people just assume that Justin Fields is going to stay? Now, I get it if maybe they're assuming just based on the active roster as of this day, they feel like they're going to keep him, but it shouldn't be, oh, yeah, they're going to build around him. Yeah, they're looking good for next year. Making plans for next year. Who knows if he'll be here in two months? (laughs) And we got people here making plans and thinking, oh, yeah, he'll be here for a while. I can't wait to see what they build around him. Okay. Yeah. Justin Fields won't be a part of the picture, but okay. Sounds good. So anyway, Salab and Smith and Jigba just keep talking, talking, talking. They ended up saying here that they believe the best move for Chicago is to keep Fields and then draft Marvin Harrison Jr. Olave claimed that Harrison Jr. should be the number one overall pick. And again, Olave also said if the Bears end up trading Justin Fields, It's on them, quote. That is on them. All right, so fortunately, I hope many people don't read too much into this article. It did say in the beginning that there is a clear bias from Smith and Jigba and Chris Olave about what they think the Bears should do with Justin Fields here in Chicago. I'll say this. Of course, they're going to be sticking up for their former teammate. And of course, and I don't blame them, they're going to be sticking up for somebody who essentially helped them to get drafted. That's true. I mean, their success in college with Justin Fields as quarterback with Brian Days, the head coach at Ohio State, that helped them to get drafted. If they had a bad quarterback in college, I'm not saying they wouldn't have gotten drafted, but their numbers would have been less, and maybe they would not have had as much of a profile as they did when they got drafted. So I'm going to preface my statement by saying I completely understand where they're coming from. I get it. I don't even necessarily blame them. They're going to be indebted to Justin frankly, for the rest of their lives, because because of Justin Fields, to an extent, they got drafted. So I understand them shilling for Justin Fields. But unfortunately, I'm going to have to dissect their comments here because a lot of the things they said are simply inaccurate. And that's just the truth. And that's not an opinion, because I'm going to show you numbers to back it up, right? First of all, Smith and Jigma called Justin Fields a winner. Now, Justin Fields is 10-29 in his career in the NFL. It's not a winner to me. <laughs> he ends up stepping back. His comments in the same sentence. I find that funny. He goes, he's a winner. Uh, to me, when I watch the Bears, that's what I see him trying to win. So <laughs> he already has to step it back because he knows, oh, shoot, I screwed up. 
shouldn't have said that. And it's true. He's not a winner. He does try to win. I would agree. I mean, Justin Fields certainly gives effort. I have no issue, and I've never once called into question Justin Fields' effort. Justin Fields' sheer ability to go out there, to be physical, to do his best every single time, to lay his body out on the line. We've seen that a number of times, and I will not diss him for that. But I will say this, he's not a winner. The 10-29 and record should prove that enough. I guess for some people, they still don't understand um, what it means to win a football game in the NFL. Let me give you an idea. Your team scores more points than the other team. That's how you win. And 29 out of 39 times when Justin Fields has started a quarterback, his team has scored less points, which means that he's not a winner. Thank you. He may have a winning attitude. That's what somebody said, a winning attitude. He tries to win. That's different than saying he's a winner. And I love how, as the comments and as the interview progressed, Smith and Jigba had to walk back his comments, naturally, because you can't say he's a winner <laughs> and his record's 10 and 29. Then all of a sudden it's a winning attitude and, oh, he tries to win. Okay, fine, whatever. Alabe says that Justin's dealt with a lot of negativity and a lot of bash. I would call into question who exactly is being negative about Justin Fields because the last time I checked, I and many others are in the minority. Everybody loves Justin Fields. Everybody in Chicago wants him to stay. There is a select minority who thinks, all right, it's time to move on. Popular opinion dictates that Justin Fields should stay. If the Bears were in the court of public opinion, which unfortunately they are at times, they make decisions based off the fans. That's true. We've seen it. There's proof of that in the past, too. So if popular opinion dictates what the Bears did, kind of does, but it really doesn't, they would choose to keep Fields. Not kidding. If you took a poll of every Chicago Bears fan in this area across the world, I'd say 70% of them want Fields to stay, and 70% of them believe he's the guy and he's the quarterback. So saying that he's dealt with a lot of negativity, maybe he's pointed towards people like me and others because he's dealt with the softest media coverage that I've seen a Chicago Bears quarterback receive. And I'm very proud to say that. That's true. I've never seen softer media coverage of a Chicago Bears quarterback, especially considering the numbers and the performance that he's put up. There have been better quarterbacks in Chicago who've received worse treatment by the media, who've received worse treatment by fan bases. Don't worry, I won't mention the buzzword since people are going to get pissed off, but I will say, what about Jay Cutler? (laughs) By the way, the buzzword's initials are MT. He was a former Bears quarterback. I'll leave it at that. But Jay Cutler dealt with a ton of harsh media coverage. Say what you want about Jay Cutler. He's the best quarterback statistically the Bears have had ever. Just say it. It's true. Rex Grossman took the Bears to a Super Bowl. I'm not saying Rex Grossman's great, but I'm saying he took them to a Super Bowl. Justin Fields is 10-29. and 29. He's never thrown for 3,000 yards in a season, and I've never seen such... Hoop jumping, justification, and softballing from uh, compared to any other quarterback in a Bears uniform. I mean, back in the day, but Jim McMahon got hate. Mike Ditka got hate. And they won a freaking Super Bowl. And yet here we are today in 2024. In 2024. And we have somebody who's 10 of 29, who's never thrown for 3,000 yards, getting the softest media attention ever. Sorry. I, I got to say it. So, 
For Olave to say he's dealt with a lot of negativity and a lot of bash, I would counter by asking, where exactly is that negativity coming from? And I'd be honest, if I was sitting there, I'd ask, well, who is being negative about Justin Fields? Who is spreading this negativity and bash? Because the national media said he'd be the MVP this year. They said that back in August. Even I latched onto it for a minute. I thought maybe this would be the year he'd really shoot out and get better. Clearly, that didn't happen. But there's a select few in terms of critics for Justin Fields. So I don't agree with that statement either. He's actually dealt with more positivity than any Bears quarterback ever. I would say more than any Bears quarterback ever. He's dealt with a ton of positivity. He has a lot of supporters and cheerleaders in the media. And, of course, in the fan base. And that's fine. I have no issue with that. You could be a fan of whomever you want to be a fan of. But my question is, where was that same energy for the people in the past to put up way more than Justin Fields and got crappier treatment? So that's inaccurate, too. They might think it's accurate because they're trying to defend their guy, and I get that. But, again, when 70 to 80% of the league loves Justin Fields and the fans, I'd say 80% of them love Justin Fields, too, it's kind of inaccurate to say, well, he's dealt with a lot of hate and a lot of criticism. They must be watching this show, then. They must be uh, feeling the hate from here because it's it's loud and clear on this program. They think the best move for the Bears, too, is to draft Marvin Harrison Jr. You know, if they drafted Marvin Harrison Jr. and they kept Fields, I don't think I would freak out. I, I think I'd try to keep it level-headed and uh, smart because at the end of the day, if you have Harrison Jr. and DJ Moore and then Justin Fields, I think certainly good things could occur. And if they didn't, it's Justin Fields' fault, and there's no more excuses. But I'm willing to say, you know what, maybe that's a smart move for the Bears. Is it the best move? No, but it's a smart move, and I'm not going to kill Ryan Poles if they end up doing it. But if it doesn't work out, we know who to point the finger at. But here's the best part of it all. This is near the end of the article. Here's what I find hilarious about this. Smith and Jigba and Olave are insinuating that the Bears are really going to regret it if they trade Justin Fields. If they do that, that's on them, Olave said. And he said it again, that's on them. All right, point taken. Challenge accepted. (laughs) I'm not going to be losing sleep if the Bears trade Justin Fields. And you shouldn't be either, and Ryan Poole shouldn't be either. (laughs) What's that, some sort of threat? Okay, come on. Let's be real here. The Bears trade Justin Fields to the Falcons, the Steelers. I know the Steelers might be interested. There are some rumors there, things like that. You're going to really tell me that the Bears are going to be sitting there wondering, oh, man, we traded Justin Fields. We're going to regret it. Then they draft Caleb Williams. He throws for 4,000 yards. And, I mean, it's going to be an afterthought. That's just such a – I don't like that comment. (laughs) It's a biased and, frankly, yeah, it's a dumb comment. I'm going to say it because the fact that you think – Ryan Poles or the Bears are going to be losing sleep over trading Justin Fields when they draft Caleb Williams, or anybody else for that matter, is ridiculous. Fans will regret it because they're going to be crying and screaming that Justin Fields isn't on the team anymore, but even they might forget if Caleb Williams puts up big numbers. Even they're going to be like, all right, you know, I know we defended Justin Fields, I still have a soft spot in my heart for him, but Caleb Williams is obviously better. That will happen in time. The idea that 
People are going to be losing sleep over this. The idea that, oh, you're going to regret it. That's on you. All right, that's on me. He's gone. That's what I would say. If I was Ryan Poles, I'd say, all right, it's on me. See you, Justin. Because at the end of the day, there's so much more for the Bears to receive for Fields than if they kept him. We're going to talk about that in our second segment. There's a lot more on the table for the Bears if they trade him rather than keeping him. And that's a fact. That's truth. So I had to talk about this to open up this program. We had had some some fireworks here because this is kind of ridiculous. I prefaced this by saying there's bias here. I mean, the article said it. So I, I understand their thought process, but I strongly disagree with the conclusions that they've drawn up. I strongly disagree with the things that they're saying here. Again, to insinuate that it's going to be a regret is ridiculous. To insinuate that he's a winner, then backtrack and say, oh, no, well, he has a winning attitude. He tries to win. Well, that, that's accurate. But why even say he's a winner if he's 10 and 29? And quickly, they had to backtrack as they knew. <laughs> oh, if they trade Justin Fields, quote, I say good for Justin, honestly. He's a QB1 and NFL quarterback. So if that's what they want to do, I guess that's fine. Okay. And then he'll throw for 3,000 yards, maybe, if he's lucky, and go to Atlanta. Great. Does that mean he's a superstar quarterback? No. He's a winner. To me, when I watch the Chicago Bears, that's what I see him trying to win. <laughs> Same sentence. Same sentence. Funniest thing in the world. That actually is the line of the night for me. You come out boldly and say he's a winner, then quickly say the next sentence after, I see him trying to win. That's what you expect from Justin. That's what he brings to the table, a winning attitude. And I know he could get things done. I would agree he has a winning attitude. I would agree he tries to win. Why not just say that? Why do you have to say he's a winner? Right? Because then you catch yourself and realize, oh, shoot, I can't say that because he's really not a winner. And you know why he's not a winner? Because he's 10 and 29. Because he's 10 and 29. That's why he's not a winner. Whether you like it or not, whether you agree with it or not, you can't deny his production in his first three years in the NFL. Things could change, and I wish him all the best. But this article right here is ludicrous, and something needed to be said. What will the Bears receive for Justin Fields? Because I'll tell you what, the grass looks much greener if they trade him. That's coming up next right here in SDC. Don't go anywhere. Sports Talk Chicago. Here with John Zaglul, back at it. John Meadows directing and producing. Great to be here with all of you on our great radio and TV affiliates across Illinois and Indiana. 98.3 The Life, WKAN, 105.5 The Ticket, HCTV, JTV, WJOB, and Cities 92.9 Talk FM. If you've missed any of today's program, we had a fiery segment one. Go back and podcast at sportstalkchicago.com or any of your favorite podcasting platforms. You can also subscribe to us on YouTube. We are nearing 20,000 subscribers. And every single subscription will help. Hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, and join us at Sports Talk Chicago on YouTube. It's great to be here with all of you. Fun first segment. We have former teammates of Justin Fields in college claiming that he's a winner and claiming that the Bears are going to regret if they trade Justin Fields. Oh, boy. (laughs) You're going to want to go back and hear that in segment one if you uh, really want to hear what I had to say about that. That was pretty funny. But here's an interesting fold in the Justin Fields narrative and saga here in Chicago. So 
Justin Fields' former teammates claimed that the Bears may regret trading Justin Fields. Yet Adam Schefter this week said on ESPN 1000, quote, that the Bears may get a number one for Justin Fields. That's news to me. During an appearance on Waddle and Silby on ESPN 1000 in Chicago, Adam Schefter said that should be fair. He thinks the Bears could even get a better pick. Definitely, Schefter said when he asked, or when asked if he thinks Chicago would get a second-round pick for Fields, I think they might get a number one. They might get a number one pick for a quarterback who's 10-29 and 29, who's never thrown for 3,000 yards. Yes, because there are certain teams that are that needy at the position. And I said this a couple of weeks ago, and I'll say it again here. Maybe it's not true. Maybe Adam Schefter is just stirring the pot and trying to get people excited. Maybe he is. Maybe the Bears paid him off to uh, spread rumors and try and get people excited about it. Whatever the case may be, I, I will say this, okay? Theoretically, it does make sense for the Bears to demand a number one pick for Justin Fields, a, a first over, or I'm sorry, a first round pick. And here's why. Here, here's my case for why a team should be paying a first round pick to acquire Justin Fields. Theoretically, he is a quote unquote rookie quarterback. When you compare him to the quarterbacks who are available right now, you don't know about the veteran market yet. And the veteran market, frankly, is going to be thin as it is. You might find somebody for a one-year deal. You might not. I don't know. I mean, maybe Joe Flacco is going to be out there after a couple of nice games in, in Cleveland. Carson Wentz might be available. But really, it's up in the air. Justin Fields, like Caleb Williams and Drake May, J.J. McCarthy, is young. Still has an opportunity to develop further if he's coached correctly. And has a chance to go to a good situation and thrive. I think it's possible, just like all of these other quarterbacks, I would seriously compare him to Williams and May and McCarthy. And then Fields, right there. He's essentially a part of this draft class. This is a unique situation. This is not how it's been in the past. The veteran quarterback market is thin. There's not much there. So you're left with what, you're, what, what you have here. And if you're a team that's quarterback needy but does not have a top pick, you're going to be shut out of the Caleb Williams and Drake May, and maybe even J.J. McCarthy discussion, because now some are saying J.J. McCarthy might even go top 15, top 20. So what are you going to do if you're a team that needs a quarterback? Well, in the trade market, you have somebody like Justin Fields who has NFL experience, who's played three seasons in the league, about 40 games, who has raw talent but just has not had it fully developed and maybe hasn't had a great coach or a great coaching experience. You could trade for him, essentially start his career fresh. He'd be in a new situation. He'd be, quote-unquote, a rookie quarterback in a new system with a new team and a new coach, and you could get him and potentially even retain him with a team-friendly deal. Maybe you trade for him. He has two years left in his contract. He had another two years, right? And then keep him at this lower salary for more time. So I don't think it's that crazy for the Bears or even for Adam Schefter to come out and say, he could be worth the top pick. He could be worth the first-round pick. I don't disagree with that. Look at the situation. I mean, if you're a team that really needs a quarterback, what are you going to do? There are not, There is not much out there for veterans. You could look to the actual trade market for veteran quarterbacks, too, but that's still sparse at best. And then you know, everybody knows that Justin Fields could be on the market, and it could even turn into a bidding war where teams are really just so desperate that they will offer a first-round pick on top of that, too. And if not, they're going to draft somebody in the first or second round. 
So I think this year is a unique situation for the Bears, is a unique situation for Justin Fields, and is a unique situation for teams that may or may not be interested. That's why I don't think it's crazy for Adam Schefter to say that it's possible for the Bears to get a number one first-round pick for Fields if they trade him. The selection for these teams who desperately need a quarterback is not promising. I mean, I know for a fact that Pittsburgh needs a quarterback, right? Atlanta needs a quarterback. And there are teams who may need one in the future, right? Like uh, the Rams, for example. How much longer is Matthew Stafford going to play for and then be effective for? Maybe a couple of years? You don't know. Not even. Could be only one or two years. There are teams that may need a quarterback even to sit on the bench for a year or two and then become the starter. Maybe Justin Fields takes the Mitch Trubisky route where Mitch sat on the bench in Buffalo and then went to Pittsburgh and did get an opportunity to start. It didn't work out, but he had the opportunity, and maybe Fields does that too, where he sits on on the bench somewhere for a year with the expectation that after one year he's going to start somewhere. I think that'd be a great option for him too, seriously. If I was his agent, I'd be lobbying for that as well. Go to a situation where you know right after a year or two you are going to be the guy. And then you take a team-friendly deal and make less money, and the team is willing to keep you around. So there are a lot of options here. There are a lot of ways that this could all go. A lot of ways this could go. But I don't think it's crazy to suggest that Fields could bring back a top pick. And this goes back to the Ryan Poles dilemma, which really isn't a dilemma. What do you do? Now, we said in the first segment, you know, we talked about some of Fields' former college teammates claiming that he's this great quarterback, he's a winner, uh, the Bears are going to regret training him. I'll tell you what, I would not regret trading Justin Fields for a first-round pick. End of discussion. For a guy who's been in the league for three years, for a guy who's 10-29 and 29 in his career as an NFL starting quarterback, I would not regret for one second getting a first-round pick in return. And that's easy. That's an easy choice. That's not. There's no question about that. You do not hesitate with that. If somebody comes up to me and says, I want a first-round pick, or I'm going to give you a first-round pick, for someone like Justin Fields, I would take it. Because you know what? It doesn't usually work this way. It doesn't usually work this way. It doesn't. Usually, if you're a quarterback and you're 10 and 29 in three years, you're out of a job. I mean, you really are. Look at Jamarcus Russell. Look at Ryan Leaf. I mean, the list goes on. Now, Justin Fields has more raw talent than them. That's why he's been able to stick around. But my point is, you don't just go 10 and 29 and become a first-round pick return material. That just doesn't work like that in the NFL. That's not how things go. So the fact that there is a situation in which the Bears could receive top draft compensation for Justin Fields, that's pretty remarkable, pretty unique. And if I'm Ryan pulls and I'm looking into this situation. I think I know what I'm going to do. I don't think it's that big of a question. We're up to me. In this article, it goes on to say about Schefter, quote, here's what Schefter said, I think interest in fields will be limited to a certain extent, but it really doesn't matter if it will be limited because if, if there were just a couple of teams, and I think there could be, then that's all it takes. It doesn't take something where you need 18 teams all vying for services. If there are a couple, and like I said, I think there could be, 
and it becomes something that becomes relevant. And we'll see whether or not it happens. And that's true. We'll see. Nothing's official. This is just a speculation mainly. But I could tell you right now that Pittsburgh and Atlanta are going to be in the discussion. And that's not reporting. That's just speculation. Who do they have a quarterback right now? Pittsburgh has a combination, a beat-up combination, a bust of a uh, combination uh, of Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett. Oh, and Mason Rudolph, who really, I, mean, I can't believe he's even still around. And in Atlanta, you've got Heineke and Ritter. Heineke, I believe, is going to be a free agent. Ritter's an absolute disaster. Those are two teams off the top of my head that could be interested. And there are probably others that I'm not thinking of at the moment who may have genuine interest in bringing Fields around and bringing him on board. The Giants are stuck with Daniel Jones, but Fields would be a great fit over there if that were to work out. Him and Brian Dable will probably cook things up very well. I think that's certainly possible. Will it work out? Probably not. But that's something to be considered. What about the Saints, maybe? Maybe they move on from Derek Carr somehow and they put Fields in. I mean, there are options here. But the two that really stick out to me are Pittsburgh and Atlanta. They need quarterbacks. They have nothing. And the Commanders, too. Sorry, that's a third one. Because the Commanders, as far as we know, are interested in Caleb Williams. But they don't have a high enough pick. They're going to have to move up. But if they don't, Fields is right there. And Fields would fit in. Fields would fit in over there, I believe. We'll have a couple of decent wide receivers. Terry McLaurin's going to be there. He could do something in Washington. So there are, I'm sorry, there are three teams who probably have serious interest, legitimate interest. Commanders, Steelers, Falcons. And as Schefter said, and I agree, even if there are just a couple of teams, it becomes a bidding war, and it becomes a process, and it becomes who is going to give the best offer available. And I'll tell you what, if only those three teams even are bidding against one another secretly, all the Ryan Poles, Ryan Poles is going to be at the table licking his chops asking for the world, as he should be. Because at the end of the day, the Bears don't need Justin Fields. They could keep him if they want to, but they don't need to. They have another quarterback who they could take at number one and take care of this whole situation easily. And then from there, if you're offered a first-round pick, take it and move on. Simple. So this is nice. This is nice. And I like the situation that Chicago's in right now. And I encourage everybody to continue to look into this story. And we're going to keep you updated, obviously, of course. But this is interesting. And I like where this is going. If you're the Bears, you have the ultimate say in how anything goes. I mean, you're in the clear. You either could keep Justin Fields, I guess. I mean, if you want to, I don't recommend it. But if you do, so be it. You could trade the number one pick or... You cause a bidding war with three to four different teams. One of them overpays and offers you a first-round pick for a 10-29 and 29 quarterback. You say yes. Goodbye, Justin Fields. Hello, Caleb Williams. Here we go. Plus a first-round pick extra added into the mix. So really, you had another first-round pick. And if it's a team like maybe Washington or Atlanta, it could be a higher first-round pick, maybe top 10, top 15. Then all of a sudden, you're in a situation where you have more picks still. The Bears have two picks already in the first round. They can add a third by trading Justin Fields. And from there, you could address center if you wanted to. You could address offensive line. You could address pass rushing. You could address a wide receiver. All of it could be done in the first round. So there are opportunities here. There are opportunities here. So I, I implore you Bears fans to not... 
dismiss this or write it off and say, all right, we got to keep Justin Fields, and I don't want to hear what this John guy has to say. No, I'm, I'm telling you right now, this is coming from Adam Schefter, and if you're offered a first-round pick, you take it. For a 10-29 and 29 quarterback, you've got to take it. you got to take it. I don't care if you have an affinity for Justin Fields. You're going to tell me right now if you're up at a first-round pick for this guy, you're not going to do it? You're going to be like, no, no, I, I like him way too much. <laughs> Come on. Justin Fields is a nice guy. He works hard, but I am not going to be vouching and sticking my neck out for a 10-29 and 29 quarterback. At the end of the day, if you're given a top pick, you go. You do it. That's it. It's that easy. And then from there... You put more into your war chest. You draft more in the first round. You have an extra first-round pick, and you make the best decisions that you need to do as an organization to bolster your team in full, not just the quarterback position, not just this position or that one, everybody. The Bears have needs all around the football field, in addition to quarterback. They could use a running back in the late rounds. They need another wide receiver. They need a center. They need another offensive lineman. Defensive lineman, the pass rusher specifically, there are needs. What if Jalen Johnson leaves? Oh, there could be another issue in the secondary. So this team still has holes. This team still has needs that have to be addressed. They have to be addressed. The quarterback is the big talking point, of course, but there are other things this team needs. By making a trade like this, if Justin Fields actually fetches a first-round pick, if you're Brian Poles, you still hit the jackpot because you're going to draft a quarterback who's top-notch in terms of talent, right, in terms of being a prospect, generationally speaking. I don't know if he's going to be perfect or if he's going to work out, but at this moment, he's a ton of upside. And then from there, with the other two first-round picks you'll have by completing the trade, you can address major needs, and then you still have picks in the later rounds too. This is promising. This is promising for the Bears. This is something good. Fields fans are going to spin this into some negative hit piece, but I'm telling you right now, this is a good spot to be in if you're Chicago. This is a good spot to be in if you're the Bears. This is where you want to be. So, I don't know. Well, we'll see how this one plays out, but for Adam Shepard to come out and say that the Bears could get a first-round pick, there's clearly some meaning behind that, and even if it's just speculation now, I'm sure there have been talks on the back channels about what the Bears could be asking for for Fields. And as he said correctly, if there's a bidding war, if there's an issue, if a couple of teams are interested and it turns into this situation where everybody's wanting Justin Fields, I'll tell you what, that's a first-round pick right there. And I want to say one more thing, too. I think everybody has to sit down and understand that you don't get a first-round pick usually for quarterbacks who are unsuccessful. I mean, that's like that's like trading uh, Josh Rosen for a first-round pick, right? Remember remember in Arizona, he went 3-13 and in his rookie year, then they drafted Kyler Murray immediately, and then Josh Rosen was kind of like, what the hell, and they just kind of sent him away, right? They didn't get a first-round pick back for Josh Rosen when they traded him to Miami. That didn't happen, okay? Josh Rosen was traded for a bunch of potatoes, a sack of potatoes, then he sat on the bench, and now he's out of the NFL. You don't get a first-round pick for a failure of a quarterback. Justin Fields, whether you like it or not, is 10-29. and 29. So if somebody is actually willing to offer you a first-round pick, it's a no-brainer. You do it. 
you do it. Whether you like it or not, you do it. You're not going to be getting usually this top pick, this great compensation for somebody who just can't play the game. And for Justin Fields, who's 10 and 29, he's had a lot of issues. He's done fine, but he's had some issues. The fact that the Bears could be getting something that big, you take it and you run with it, and you don't look back. That's something the Bears have to do. And my hope is that they put logistics, that they put truth above feelings, and put truth above what the fans want them to do, and say, look, this is the best move for the organization. Not the best move for Justin Fields, not the best move for the fan base, the best move for the organization and its future success. Because if they go that route, they're going to be fine. If they don't, more mediocrity to come, right? Speaking of mediocrity, Chicago Bulls have the trade deadline coming up, and they are ninth in the Eastern Conference again. With all the inflated contracts and all the issues that they have, what will they do and what should they do? We're going to discuss next, last segment of the program here at Sports Talk Chicago. Don't go anywhere. Sports Talk Chicago. Here with John Zaglul, John Meadows directing and producing last segment of today's program. A big shout out and thank you to all of our great affiliates. 98.3 The Live, WKAN, 105.5 The Ticket, HCTV, JTV, WJOB, and Cities 92.9 Talk FM. Great to be on with all of them. Great to be here with all of you for the last segment. If you missed any of this show, we had a couple of Bears heavy segments. You could go to sportstalkchicago.com to podcast it. Go to any of your favorite podcasting platforms. You could also watch this show on YouTube. Subscribe at Sports Talk Chicago. Hit the like button. We are nearing 20,000 subscribers. Every single subscription matters and counts. And we're certainly appreciative to all of you for being such great supporters here on this program. We go from one mediocre team to another. Well, at least the Bears have some upside. The Bulls really don't. And that's what we're going to be talking about here in our final segment. So the Bulls are 24 and 27. They just completed a pretty impressive comeback as of late. They came back from 31 down to beat Minnesota at home. They won 129-123. But NBA trade deadline's coming up. Reports have indicated that the Bulls may just run it back and stick with who they have today. I don't want to break it to the Bulls. I'm sure Arturis Karnaschobis knows this, but in case he doesn't, I'll break the news to him now here on the show. They're 24 and 27. They're ninth in the Eastern Conference. They're 25th in points per game, and they're 11th in defense. They're three games under 500. They're in the nine seed, and that's with DeMar DeRozan and Kobe White, Zach Levine in limited form, Nikola Vucevic and Patrick Williams, and oh yeah, Alex Caruso. That's where they stand here today. Now, Kobe White's had a breakout season, and I have no issue with criticizing him. He's only 23 years old. This is not a Kobe White critique hour, but this team is old. This team is aging. This is what they're doing. And for some reason, according to reports again, Arturis Karnaschobis wants to stick with this team. Let's run it back and keep it going. Ha, 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 ha. Let's keep going with this crew that is literally beyond mediocre. They're under 500. They aren't performing. And they have significant issues as they enter the trade deadline. Now, I did see a report today. They're being smart, at least in this capacity. Andre Drummond, who is not even starting with this team, but has done a really good job in limited time. He has 431 rebounds in 827 minutes. I mean, that's impressive. There are reports that Andre Drummond may actually fetch a first-round pick, which I think is a great move. 
Similar to the Justin Fields discussion we just had, Andre Drummond for a first-round pick, no-brainer, goodbye Andre Drummond. But overall, Arturis Konarshobis does not want to depart with this group. He feels that this team is good enough to do something, I guess. I don't know what he thinks they're going to do, but in his opinion, do something. Maybe make the playoffs, make the play-in tournament at least, and see where it goes from there. Kind of sounds like the Bulls are just going, oh, I guess we'll see what happens. Let's just keep it going. Um, Throw their hands up in the air wondering what's going to be going on. I don't understand that philosophy. You know what it kind of reminds me of? Gar Pax, right? For years, Gar Foreman, John Paxson, they would be criticized to a T to the point where they couldn't even do interviews. They couldn't even be seen out in public because people were harassing them left and right about the demise of Chicago and the demise of this organization, the Bulls. And yet here we are today, new executive Arturo's car to show us, and they're doing the exact same thing. I'm whispering because it's a secret, but really it isn't. They're doing the exact same thing. I mean, this team has done nothing since Arturo's took over. Actually, it's been pretty much the same old, same old. Right? Arturo's took over. During the COVID season, they went 31-41. and 41. They should have done much better than that. They had a late-season collapse. 21-22, they went 46-36. and 36. That was their best year. Then back to 40-42. and 42. Now this year, they're 24-27. and 27. There's been no improvement whatsoever. Now you're in a situation where you have aging veterans that you're still paying, like DeMar DeRozan and Nikola Vucevic and Zach Levine. This is the core that you decided to invest serious money in. And I hate to break it to you, Arturis and company, but they're not performing. You invested money into players who have names who are not performing. This is as if the Cubs stuck with Javier Baez, Chris Bryant, and Anthony Rizzo. And as many of you recall, those 2018, 2019, 2020 seasons were horrendous for the Cubs. They didn't make the playoffs some of those years. Unfortunately, Jen Hoyer stepped in and said, no, we're done. But for those three years, they invested time and resources into that core because they were recognizable, because they were fan favorites, because they won them a World Series at one point. Well, guess what? They were past their primes, and Jed Hoyer said, enough's enough, we're done. When are the Bulls going to say enough's enough? When are they going to say it's time to move on from this core, to start fresh, and to tear it down and build it back up? And I know Bulls fans don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear it. I'm sick of the Bulls rebuilding. They've been rebuilding for 25 years. But something's got to give here because this core ain't it. And I'll tell you what. The cores that were actually assembled by somebody like John Paxson and Gar Foreman were better. I'm, and I don't want to sit here and play revisionist history and, and help out and, and uplift people like that because they had their flaws, they had their issues. There's no doubt about that. Near the end, it got ugly, right, with the whole Fred Hoiberg thing and then Jim Boylan. I mean, that was a disaster. But early on, they hit gold with some of their teams that they put together. The Baby Bulls, right? Ben Gordon, Kirk Heinrich, Lou Altang. That was a competitive team. They were winning. They were in the playoffs every single year, back when it was only eight teams. Even the two years with Benny Del Negro, the Bulls went 41-41 and 41 both years, made the playoffs. Derrick Rose went out of the scene with Tom Thibodeau. They did great. And even after Tibbs, they were still competitive. At the end of Fred Hoiberg, they fell off, but even up until that point, they were competitive. For that 10-year stretch. They were making the playoffs every single year, to their credit. I know you don't want to hear that about Pax and Gar and all them, but I counter with this. What has Arturis Karnaschobis done? What is his era going to be defined as? How do we define what he's done in his four years in Chicago? 
there's been, what, two playoff appearances, one that didn't really count because it was the play-in tournament. I don't count that as a playoff appearance. And the other was a legitimate one where they went 46-36, and 36, but should have been much better, but they collapsed near the end of the season. I mean, how do we justify or how do we compile and look at and judge his era as the Bulls executive? And I'll tell you what, I'm not impressed. For all the crap that Gar Pax got, they at least put up results for about 10 years. Then it got bad. Then it was bad. But Arturis has won only 46 games in one season. That's his high. Gar Pax was doing that without Derrick Rose. When Derrick Rose got hurt, people were saying they should be fired because Rose got hurt and now they can't do anything. And here we are today... And they've got a bunch of aging stars who really aren't even stars anymore who are not performing, or not performing together, at least, and working together as a team to win. They choose to do nothing at the trade deadline. They choose to stick with what they have. I don't like that. I don't like that. Arturis Karnaschovas has to look at this team objectively and consider what they are. And here's what's funny about Arturis. You all recall what he started. He got rid of everybody that was connected to Gar Pax. Not kidding. There's only one player who's connected to Gar Pax who's still on this team. It's Kobe White. I'm not joking. Everybody was gone. Uh, Zach Levine's still here, I guess, too. You could count Zach Levine, but everybody's gone. And I remember when they took over. This was during COVID. They were t- they were tearing the team apart. And I, could, I was like, yes, yes, this is what you should be doing. Out with the old and with the new. Get rid of all these guys who are here because Gar Pax brought them in. Bring in fresh life. Make this team your own. That's your job. Yet now here we are, and now all of a sudden Arturis is taking the Garpax approach of these are my guys I don't want to get rid of them. Well, you came in with the approach of I don't care who you are. If you don't perform, get the hell out. Now all of a sudden it's switched. Now it's these are my guys. I can't get rid of them. We're not going to make any moves. We're going to be conservative. Conservative, you're three games under. You're in the nine spot. You're not doing anything. It is time to blow this team up, and it is time to move on, whether you like it or not, Arturis and company. It's time to move on. This is not the situation that you want to be in. And I'm honestly surprised that as we sit here today, the Bulls have no plans for this deadline, no plans to get rid of people that they currently have, no plans to, I guess, move on from what their mediocrity has been, and no plans to look towards the future because if they were going to look towards the future, they'd get rid of their veterans and stack up draft picks. They're not even doing that. They're sticking with what they have. They're sticking with Zach Levine and Nikola Vucevic and DeMar DeRozan. It's frankly a boring combination, and that's not not a slight towards any of them individually. They're all individually talented basketball players. But as a group, they're just boring. They don't win. They are just kind of names like B, you know, maybe, uh, you know, like a 1A, 1B sort of names. Individually, they perform well. As a group, they perform like crap, and they're just kind of sticking with them, maybe for fan appeal, right, to, to keep butts in seats because they're recognizable names. That's not what winning is all about. That's not what competitiveness is all about. I implore Chicago, the Bulls, if they're listening to this program, to think outside the box. Arturis Karnaschovas, 
should not be taking the lead or taking the strategy that Garpax took. Because the strategy that Garpax took got them fired. And the strategy that they took had them win nothing. Zero. They won for 10 years, then they stopped winning, then eventually they were fired. Why is Arturis doing the same thing that they did? I don't get it. And I don't support it. This Bulls team needs a teardown and a rebuild. They need a rebrand. Frankly, they need more than a retool even. They need a full-on hardcore rebuild. This is not where they should be right now. This is not what they should be doing. I implore them to do something different. Break the mold this time. Don't be doing what you've always been doing because that's just familiar business. Do something that's going to win you championships in the future because right now this team is not close to a championship. They weren't close to the in-season tournament, the NBA Cup, and they're certainly not close to an NBA Finals appearance or victory. They have a long way to go. This team needs to change, and I hope that they do something this time around in the NBA trade deadline. On that note, that's going to do it for us here today. Appreciate everybody for hanging out with us and tuning in. Big shout out to Michael H. who gave us a donation here on YouTube, $10. Really appreciate that, my friend. We uh, we enjoyed today's program. You can follow us everywhere at Sports Talk Chicago. Subscribe to the YouTube channel as well at Sports Talk Chicago. Hit the like button. And a big shout out to all of our great radio and TV affiliates once more. They do a great job of bearing our show every week. 98.3 The Life, WKAN, 105.5 The Ticket, ACTV, JTV, WJOB, and Cities, 92.9 Talk FM. We enjoy everybody hanging out. Big thank you to John Meadows directing and producing. Thank you to all of you. We will see you next week. But until next time, so long.